I'm Andrew Young with Young Ranch in Coleman, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas ag culture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Kerry Martin. Hello, Texas. We are locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, so many wildfires affecting Texas agriculture over the last couple of weeks. In fact, it's hard to keep up with how many. The Texas A&M Forest Service reporting they've responded to over 700 wildfires over the last few weeks here in Texas. The acreage is hard to keep up with as well. It's been at least 165,000 acres, and that's probably much higher than that at this point. One of the big fires burning over the past week is in the northeast Texas Panhandle. We'll head up to Hemp Hill County and check in with Andy Holloway. He's the Hemp Hill County Extension Agent. He saw firsthand the devastation that the fire caused there in his county. We'll have that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Regenerative grazing is a term we're starting to hear a lot more in discussions about raising livestock. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll hear some thoughts on regenerative grazing from a Texas High Plains expert on the subject. We'll have a recap of the tornadoes that struck Texas in March and a look ahead to the April forecast. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have the story from the National Weather Service on Texas Ag Today. Our drought continues to plague the South, and I'm hoping the predicted moisture can help all of us. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Wildfires have touched so many areas of Texas over the past two weeks, with over 700 fires burning 165,000 acres. One of those fires this week was in Hemp Hill County in the Northeast Panhandle. Hemp Hill County agent Andy Holloway says this fire wasn't as severe as the fires back in 2017, and that may be due to the rainfall they received last week. Uh, The cattle came through this fire from what we can see overall in pretty good shape. There were cattle that a lot of people thought would be gone that just came through the fire fine. Now, that doesn't mean that in the coming weeks and months that those cattle are out of the woods. There's going to be some lung issues, respiratory problems from breathing, all the smoke and the carbon that's on the ground that they're going to continue to ingest that might cause some problems, just like we saw back in 17. Holloway says lots of fencing was destroyed and the forage loss is devastating for many ranchers. Uh, Many of these local ranchers have lost all of their pasture. I mean like 100%. And some of them have even lost their hay supply. One gentleman told me, he said, I just sent hay down to the Eastland fire last week. And he said, now I need that hay. If you can't donate hay... 
Monetary donations can be made to the West Texas Wildfire Relief Fund. Go to texasfarmbureau.org for more details. Ranchers affected by wildfires may also want to check with their local NRCS office for help. Assistance is available for Texas farmers and ranchers who have been impacted by recent wildfires. The Natural Resources Conservation Service in Texas is offering financial assistance through the Environmental Quality Incentives Program to help landowners address wind and water erosion, livestock production limitation, degraded plant conditions, and other resource concerns. Currently, farmers and ranchers in the following counties are eligible. Blanco, Brooks, Brown, Coleman, Comanche, Eastland, Erath, Grayson, Hood, Mason, Potter, Randall, Runnels, Starr, and Williamson. That list may grow as new disaster declarations are granted. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. Texas farmers making good progress getting the spring crop in the ground over the past week. The latest crop progress and condition reports showing we're at the halfway point on corn planting. 51% of the Texas corn crop now in the ground. That's ahead of the previous week's 42%. Sorghum planting also making progress, but at a bit slower pace. One-third of the sorghum crop now in the ground, 32%. That's two points ahead of the previous week. Regenerative grazing is a term we're hearing more about in the Texas High Plains. James Hunt has more from Amarillo. An approach to livestock management called regenerative grazing is being promoted to ranchers across the country, including here in the Texas High Plains, as a way of making their land healthier. Dr. Tim Steffens, a range management specialist with West Texas A&M University and Texas A&M AgriLife, told me regenerative grazing is different than what is often the standard approach. What has been conventional for a lot of years is what I call the Columbus method of grazing. You turn them out in the spring and you discover them in the fall and take off what's been produced. Dr. Stephan says the problem with that is cattle do not graze the land evenly. They can kind of pick their favorite spots to graze while neglecting other areas, even if those other areas offer good forage. So we end up with overgrazed stuff, which is plants that have been grazed again before they've recovered from the previous time. And then we have undergrazed plants, and neither one of them really produce like they could. Overcoming those concerns with a regenerative approach involves distributing grazing pressure more evenly. We have to provide an enforced period of recovery so that those plants can regrow and put up a full complement of leaves so that they can replenish their roots. They're more drought resistant. They're better able to reproduce. And then at the same time, we're getting animals to new areas. We're allowing the places that are preferred to grow more. And so we will be able to increase stocking rate over time and still maintain animal performance. More from Dr. Steffens in our next report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. March brought tornadoes to Texas, but what's the outlook for April? Tom Nicoletti checks in with a Fort Worth meteorologist for a weather outlook. We go to National Weather Service meteorologist Tom Bradshaw in Fort Worth, and Tom, certainly quite a number of tornadoes that struck in various regions of the state in March. 
Absolutely. We got a good early start to the spring severe weather season here in Texas. Back on the 21st of March, we had, by our count, at least 31 tornadoes reported across central and northern Texas on that day. And we're still doing surveys. We may eventually uh, bump that number up a little bit. So very, very active severe weather day that day. Fortunately, the, the loss of life was relatively limited. Number of injuries was relatively limited. Apart from that, things were relatively dry across the state during the month of March. We had rainfall amounts that were well below average average across a good part of uh, the western half of the state of Texas. Temperatures were above normal, which has been the pattern for the past several months. Now that we are in the month of April, the first full month of spring, what does the forecast look like temperature-wise and even more importantly, precipitation-wise? Well, I'm going to sound like a broken record here because we've been talking about warm and dry for the past several months and with La Nina still holding sway across the southern United States, we're once again looking at a relatively warm and a relatively dry month of April. That means temperatures will be climbing into the 80s and even 90s across some parts of the state by the middle to latter part of the month of April. And everybody will, will manage to get some rainfall across the state during the month of April. Unfortunately, amounts will probably remain below normal compared to what we normally receive for the month of April. So we, we still have considerable drought across the entire area, especially the western half of the state. And, and that's probably going to hang tough through the month of April. That is Tom Bradshaw. He is meteorologist at the National Weather Service in Fort Worth. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Drought continues to plague Central Texas, but Dr. Shane McClellan says recent rains may help. As dry as we've been in Central Texas, our friends to the west are drier than we are. It is getting fairly serious for all of us, but out west it is very bad. With all the fires across our great state, the need for a rain is critical. We really need several good rainfalls to make things really improve uh, drastically. But any moisture is welcome. Corn planting is complete here in the central Texas part of the Blackland region. It does continue on the northern parts of the central Texas Blacklands. Weather permitting, they should finish soon. We did have some corn emerge here in the central Texas area uh, during the last cold spell, which was the weekend of March 12th. That, that corn did have some damage to it. Uh, just from the freezing temperatures. It was at a critical stage in emergence, uh, very sensitive, and cold weather will burn it back. There have also been some reports of corn being having, uh, they're going to have to replant it due to feral hog damage, and that's becoming more common uh, here in Central Texas. Some of the oats in our area looks really bad, as does some of our wheat. Uh, a few wheat fields that did receive a, a little bit of rain, we're talking a few tents, they look different, they look better. Uh, slow soaking rain would go a long way. We don't need a hard, fast rain. We really need a, a day and a half slow soaker, a multiple inch type of rainfall event. I was on the road Sunday, March 20th, and I was, I was driving near the areas that are affected by the, the, one of the recent wildfires near Eastland. And I saw hay uh, on pickups. It may have been on a one bell buggy, a gooseneck trailers just loaded with hay, semi loads of feeding hay, all driving toward Eastland to help support the relief effort. Uh, a lot of these people have, have lost their, their pastures, their forage, their hay. Some have even lost their homes. And it's just really good to see people supporting uh, those in agriculture. We're short on hay here in Central Texas, but people are still sending what they can. Uh, monetary donations, things like that, supplies that you want to send. Make sure you look for some of those coordinating agencies like uh, Southwestern Cattle Raisers, Texas Department of Agriculture, Farm Bureau, uh, Texas a Agri-Life Extension, all involved in those relief efforts. And they're making sure they're doing a coordinated effort to get the, the needed supplies 
to where they can be the, the most affected and, and most needed. Uh, make sure you get to the right people. Those needs change daily. So please try to remain current on, on what you send and where you send it. This is Dr. Shane McClellan from Waco with Texas Ag Today. Sea turtle nesting season is here. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And it's common to give dairy cows calcium boluses after they calve. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Wildfires swept across central and west Texas in March, burning over 86,000 acres. Fires devoured pasture land and farmland, as well as livestock, homes, barns, and equipment. The Texas Farm Bureau West Texas Wildfire Relief Fund is ready to help. Farmers and ranchers with unreimbursed agricultural losses are encouraged to apply for assistance. Monetary contributions to the fund are also being accepted. Go to TexasFarmBureau.org to learn more. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It is common to give dairy cows calcium boluses after they calve, but Dr. Bob Judd says these boluses are not all equal. Calcium boluses are routinely given orally to dairy cows and even some beef cows after they calve to prevent hypocalcemia or low blood calcium that is commonly called milk fever. Cows are susceptible to milk fever after they calve because the cows produce a lot of milk that contains a lot of calcium. And in some cows, their body cannot keep up with the calcium loss and affected cows stop eating, usually become recumbent and cannot get on their feet without treatment. There are different types of calcium boluses used in cows. Three calcium boluses were tested in Canada, and the first was calcium chloride and no calcium carbonate. The second tested calcium chloride and moderate levels of calcium carbonate, and the last tested was calcium chloride and high levels of calcium carbonate. The researchers found that the calcium chloride-only boluses dissolve the fastest in less than 90 minutes. Adding calcium carbonate to the bolus greatly decreased absorption time as the boluses with a moderate amount of added calcium carbonate required six hours to dissolve, while the boluses containing a high amount of calcium carbonate had only dissolved 25% even at six hours. Another study looked at calcium response in the cow to two calcium chloride boluses given less than 12 hours after calving. One calcium chloride bolus given within 12 hours after calving and one 12 hours later. And two calcium carbonate boluses giving less than 12 hours after calving. Best response was found by giving two calcium chloride boluses less than 12 hours after calving. Using calcium carbonate in the boluses is not recommended due to decreasing absorption time. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Sea turtle nesting season is here. Jessica Domel tells more about it in today's Wildlife Report. If you plan on visiting a Texas beach in the coming weeks, be mindful of the threatened and endangered sea turtles that may be trying to nest. According to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, sea turtle nesting season in Texas begins in early April. Mary Kay Scarupa, FWS's sea turtle coordinator for Texas, said the public can help officials protect imperiled species by keeping an eye out and reporting all nesting sea turtles, their nests, and hatchlings from April through September. 
FWS also encourages beachgoers to drive slowly and carefully on beaches and near them to avoid hitting a turtle, a nest, or a hatchling. From now through July, biologists and volunteers will patrol Texas beaches looking out for sea turtles like the Kemp's Ridley, which is the most critically endangered sea turtle in the world, loggerhead turtles, which are threatened, and green sea turtles. When a sea turtle nest is found, responders from a number of agencies, including the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, Texas A&M University Galveston, and the University of Texas Marine Science Institute, work together to coordinate a response and protect both the turtle and the nest. If you encounter a nesting sea turtle on or near a beach, you can report it by calling 1-866-TURTLES. That is 1-866-TURTLES. Be sure to keep your distance from any nests or nesting turtles and avoid disturbing them. After reporting it, if you can, stay at the site until a biologist arrives. If you're unable to stay, carefully mark the nesting site by laying pieces of beach debris in a large circle around the nest so that biologists will be able to find them. Again, report them at 1-866-TURTLES. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It was a very up and down day in our agricultural markets on Friday. We traded on both sides of unchanged, but near the close, most of our markets headed lower to wrap up the week. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. On the Texas Ag Calendar, the McCullough County Farm Bureau is holding Food Connection Day on Wednesday, May 4th at the Tractor Supply Company in Brady. McCullough County Farm Bureau President Bobby Pierce joins us. Bobby, tell us about Food Connection Day in McCullough County. We're doing our Food Connection Day again in May. We've been doing it for several years now. We cook hamburgers, have hamburgers, chips, and uh, water, and it's for anybody in the community. And it's just a free hamburger for us to help promote agriculture and people to visit the latest updates on agriculture. It's McCullough County Farm Bureau's Food Connection Day coming up Wednesday, May 4th from 10.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. at the Tractor Supply Company in Brady. If you'd like to have your event featured here on the Texas Ag Calendar, just shoot me an email. C. Martin, that's C-M-A-R-T-I-N, at txfb.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The agricultural markets traded both sides of unchanged on Friday. However, as we neared the close, most markets moved lower. We finished with a mostly lower close in the cattle complex. April live cattle dropped 72 cents to end the week at 138.65. June down a dollar 27, 135.85. August down a dollar 17, 136.90. Feeder cattle lower except for the nearby April. It was up 17, 161.57. May feeders down 40. At 166.12. August feeder cattle down $1.22 at 176.35. Cash fed cattle market seeing most of our sales here in the South at 138 over the past week. That's steady money with the previous week. Boxed beef was mixed on Friday. Choice down 96 cents, 267.43. Select up 71 at 263.05. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. 
There's auctioneer Troy selling that calf. He's doing so at Seguin Cattle Company. Cousin Brian Lynchman, how did the cattle and sheep and goat sale go today? Sale turned out real good, Larry. I ended up with 760 head of cattle. Uh, I'd call the market steady, uh, stock of calves, maybe a couple of dollars cheaper. But uh, you're starting to see these new croppers show up. And, you know, everybody knows what that means. Come here end of May, 1st of June, when, when it's all new croppers. I mean, everything just kind of softens up a little bit. But uh, those good two to three weight steers, two to three hundred pounders, dollar 48 to 228, three to four hundred pounders, dollar 51 to 220, four to five weights, dollar 42 to a dollar 96, five to six weights dollar 51 to a dollar 81 six seven weights dollar 38 to a dollar 64 seven to eight weight steers dollar 22 to a dollar 51 go to those heifer mates two to three weights dollar 34 to a dollar 78 three to four weights dollar 37 to a dollar 70 four to five weights dollar 36 to a dollar 72 five to six weights dollar 34 to a dollar 78 and six to seven weight heifers dollar eight to a dollar 41 uh packer cow market i'd call it unchanged uh top end of the cows bring 97 cents uh top end of the bulls bring a dollar 17 uh had a few young pairs they brought from 900 to 1200 so you know just pretty good day in the cattle department how about sheep and goats sheep and goat market it, it was good uh those good nannies from 230 to 310 dollars with those good kid goats bringing from 350 to 395 and those door per use from a dollar 145 to 195 with the lambs bringing from 350 to 380 tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next week's sale you can give us a call at 830-379-9955 or you can give me a call at the cell phone at 830-305 0652. Brian, thank you so much. Texas neighbors, thank you even more for listening to me and walking the pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished lower on Friday. April hogs down 45 cents, 101.30. May down 40 at 113.17. Class 3 milk was mixed. April milk up 16 cents, 23.84 a hundredweight. May milk down a penny at 24.46 a hundred. The cotton market finishing lower on Friday, USDA's prospective plantings estimate and a weak export sales report all keeping a lid on cotton prices. May cotton down 114 points to close the week at 134.55. October cotton down 111 at 117.53, while December cotton dropped 116 to close the week at 111.28. The corn market got a nice boost after the prospective plantings report on Thursday. However, we gave back most of those gains on Friday. May corn finishing 13 and three quarters lower, 7.35 a bushel. September corn topped $7 at one point, but it couldn't hang on to that. New crop September corn down a quarter penny to end the week at 6.96 a bushel. Both hard and soft wheat finishing lower Friday. July Kansas City wheat down 16 cents, 10.13 and three quarters. July Chicago wheat down 17 and three quarters at 9.84 and a quarter. In the energy markets, May natural gas up five cents, 5.69. May crude oil down 98 at 99.30 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Friday afternoon. The Dow up 19 points, 34,697. The Nasdaq down 40 at 14,180. The S&P down 5 at 4,524. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name is Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website 
at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.